0: grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The words of scripture we're going to look at this morning. Psalm 23 verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the name of Jesus. Amen. During World War II. After a number of combat missions, pilots and flight teams were granted what was called flak alert, flak leave. Flak leave a few days away from the from the base. Dr. Bernard Brunstein, was a, who is now a pastor, uh, was uh, a pilot back then, and he tells this story. He, long, he, he and many of his other buddies uh, were on flak leave, and they were at a place called Burnermouth, a little town on the English Channel and uh, they were staying in a small ho- small hotel that was overlooking um, the English Channel and he writes this he says quiet meals in the dining room long walks on the beach and games or reading of the library restored our jagged nerves one day though uh, they were uh, completely taken aback by one young man who Totally lost it, broke down. And the tension of combat finally had gotten to him. And he just really came apart. Well, an Air Force doctor was called and, and he came. And uh, while he had had experience with combat fatigue, he had also had an understanding that went beyond even medicine. And uh, he got a hold of the young man, got a hold of his shoulders, and then looked deeply and kindly into his eyes and he began to recite to him the 23rd Psalm. Only he changed the pronouns from first person singular to second. And he said, the Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He maketh you lie down in green pastures. He leadeth you beside the still waters. He restoreth your soul. He leadeth you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil, for the Lord is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. He prepareth a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He anointeth your head with oil, your cup runneth over it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Brunzing says what happened was absolutely amazing. He said the Lord used those words to just come into the heart and mind of that young man and bring him a peace and a calm. That he was restored. Just like the psalm talks about, he was restored. We know in the weeks before Easter, I was working our way through the 23rd psalm, just considering this beautiful, beautiful psalm. Then came Easter, of course, and and the Sunday's following that. But now today, we're going to look at the last verse of this psalm and kind of complete this series. But what we learned, of course, and learned so far is that This psalm has done for millions of people down through the years the same thing that it did for that young pilot. It has been uplifting. It has uplifted people, renewed people, inspired people, refreshed all kinds of souls. And that is so, uh, no matter how often you hear it, how often you read it, how often you come back to it, it always takes a hold of your imagination. No matter what your circumstance might be, there is always in it a word of blessing word of blessing. So, if you are looking for hope, you're going to find hope. If you're looking for encouragement, coming back to it, you'll find encouragement. So, if you're looking for strength, coming back to it, you'll find strength. Or if you're looking for confidence, you'll find confidence. And the reason for that, of course, is that it sets before us our never-changing, always-faithful shepherd. The shepherd who all the days of our life provides for us and keeps us, keeps us going, guides us, protects us, heals us, pursues us. Remember that it was written by King David. And remember that King David, of course, as a boy, had taken care of his father's flocks. So he knew about shepherding. And now as an old man, he looks back upon his life and all the blessings that has, have been a part of his life. Now the Lord has been there all the way through. And as he looks back upon that and thinks about it and reflects upon it and considers it, he begins to realize that the Lord had been to him a shepherd just like he had once been a shepherd of sheep. That no matter how he had drifted away from the Lord, uh, the Lord, his heart was still a heart of a shepherd. He still loved him and was concerned about him. And as he thought about it, he realized that his Lord's hands were the hands of a shepherd, always reaching out to help and to to save. And he realized that his Lord's feet were like that of a shepherd. When he was strained, his Lord came after him to bring him back. And he realized that his Lord's ears were like those of a shepherd, always listening for the hurting bleats of the sheep. As he looked back, more and more he realized why. What the Lord had been to him was like a shepherd. Think about that in your own circumstance, or uh, think about that in your own life. Isn't that true that as you look back upon your life, you see the various things that happened here and there through your life, you can see that the Lord was there. And he was there as your shepherd. And he was there to bring you back to himself, for he was there to take care of you and watch over you. He was there to hear your hurts. But as you look back upon your life, you see all along the way how the Lord has been your shepherd. Well, David now, after he points to the fact that the Lord is my shepherd, then he goes on in the verses after that. To enumerate all the promises that the shepherd has given to him. And that's what the 23rd th- Psalm is about, you see. First it talks about the Lord is my shepherd. And then it gives promise after promise after promise after promise. And shows us how the Lord takes care of us through all of those promises. And the first promise, of course, is this. I shall not want. The shepherd says to you and to me, you shall not And just as the shepherd was so concerned about the feeding of his sheep, giving them water and all of those kind of things, so the Lord has also promised to you and me, you shall not lack. In other words, I'm going to take care of your needs. I'm going to take care of your needs. Now, we know that we may not always have everything we want, but our shepherd says to us: I'll take care of your basic needs. We may not have the standard of living that some around us have, but that still doesn't mean that the Lord is not there. And he still promises to take care of our needs. And so just think of what a beautiful promise this is. I shall not want. And in circumstances like we are right now and the uncertainties that we face in the days coming ahead, our shepherd still says to you and to me, You shall not lack. You will not lack. I'm going to be there for you, to find for you and take care of you. Now, what a beautiful word that is and what a beautiful promise and if I take hold of that hold on to it tightly that will chase out any worry or anxiety from my heart and that will bring into my heart a calm and a peace that I'll be able to look ahead and know my shepherd is there to take care what a beautiful promise second promise that he gives us is that he will restore our souls he will restore our souls remember when we looked at that we looked at that in terms of downcast sheep, as they were called in those days. The sheep would get down on their backs, on their, get down and they would roll over on their backs, and they, would ab- and they were unable to get back on their feet, and they would be pawing into the air. It was a very helpless situation and a very uh, scary situation for the sheep. But the shepherd then would she see, see the sheep down on its back like this. And the shepherd would come over and get the sheep back up on his feet. And that was recall and that was called restoring the sheep. And David says, you know, the Lord does the same thing. He restores. That's his promise. That when we get down, no matter what we get down with, he will come and he will get us back on our feet again. He'll get us up and going again. So if we are down with grief. He's going to come and get us back up and going again. If we are down with guilt, He's going to come and get us up and going again. If we are down with depression, we're down with discouragement, whatever, He's going to come and He's going to get us back on our feet and going again. That's His promise. That's a beautiful, beautiful promise. He restored my soul. The next promise, huh? That He will lead us in the paths of righteousness. You and I know that there are all kinds of paths in this world paths that lead to hurt and ruin and, and, and destruction and so on and, and, and the devil has his path that he'll lead us into and, and the world has its path and our own simple nature and so all of these paths are beckoning and promising us all kinds of things and saying you come down this way I'm going to give you happiness and you come down this way I will give you that all of them of course are lying to us when we to hear those kind of things. But the Lord comes to us and he says, you know something? I want you to have a good life. I want you to have a blessed life. I want you to have a rich, abundant life. By the way, that was in the last uh, verse of the gospel lesson just a moment ago. Jesus says to his followers at that time when he comes into the world, the reason I've come is to give you abundant, rich life. Well, God says that in the Old Testament too. And he says, let me lead you into the right paths. The paths that are going to lead to a rich, fulfilling, satisfying, abundant life. And he says, if you follow my paths, if you follow me, that indeed will be your blessing. That was a promise. And then the fourth promise, my, what a tremendous promise it is. What a great promise. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. We all know that life has its valleys, and we know that we cannot escape them. But none of those valleys have dead ends. They are valleys with light at one end and they have light at the other end. And what our, what our shepherd says to you and to me is this, I've been through the valleys, I know what they're about. And I will lead you through the valleys and I will protect you. My rod and my staff are going to be there. and We're going to protect you as you go through the valley. And You know, when I preached on this a few weeks ago, I said the one word in that sentence that you should underline is the word through. That is such a big word, because when we are in the valleys, uh, sometimes we think this is, is this ever going to end, and being in the valley can be so it can seem so long, and uh, can be so dark and all of those kind of things. And yet that word "through" is such a big word, because he says, you know, I'm going to lead you through the valley, and uh, there is light at the other end, and you can be sure that I am with I'm with you. And I'm going to lead you through the valley. And that's a great strengthening, encouraging word. And that most that verse most certainly is too. Then the last time we preached on this, right before Easter, we looked at the shepherd's fifth promise. And that's a promise of victory. A promise of victory over our enemies. The shepherds as shepherds prepared a table and meadows, so also He prepares the same for us. And as he kept the predators away, he'll do the same for us. And he put olive oil on the noses and the heads of the sheep to keep away the flies and the the parasites so he will do the same for us. And what those pictures are of is that he gives us victory. He protects us from our predators. Sin, death, and the devil. The big enemies. But he also protects us from the little enemies, the little daily, daily frustrations and annoyances. And he brings us through those two. Not just the predators that are out there, sin, death, and the devil, but also those little things, those little parasites, those little flies that make daily living sometimes uh, also very annoying. But that's his promise. And when you read that promise, of course, that brings also health and hope. And confidence. Now, five great promises. Do you catch them? The five great promises that we've just talked about. Five great promises. You shall not lack. Number one. I will keep you on your feet and going. Number two. I will lead you in right paths. Number three. I will see you through life's valleys. Number four. I will give you victory over your enemies, both big and little, number five. And so as David looks back upon his life there, and he sees how the Lord has blessed him with all of those blessings and is still blessing him with all of those blessings, there's a a great doxology that just arises in his heart, a beautiful doxology and and a great positive, buoyant affirmation. And so he comes to 6. The sixth person after reviewing all of those things, and he, how the Lord has blessed, he says, Surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And, besides that, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My, what a tremendous, tremendous affirmation, huh? almost seems like a boast, but as he looks at the future no matter what is there, above all and in all and through all and underneath all will be the goodness and mercy of His shepherd. He's been with him all the way and he's going to continue to be with him. Now the first word of that verse is a really big word too surely surely he says that's a long that's a strong word that's a word of affirmation that is like saying i'm positive i am absolutely certain surely i'm planning on it when i read that word surely i think of a story that i once read about a maid by the name of matilda matilda sweet christian lady but she was the maid for a wealthy lady who was a chronic warrior. And one day her mistress questioned her, her cheerful maid, and said, Matilda, do you have any money in the bank? No, ma'am, but I get along on what I get. But Matilda, suppose you get sick? Or suppose we should lose our investments and would not be able to hire you and would have to let you go? And suppose you wouldn't be able to find another job. And at this point, the maid a sermon in her own style. She said, suppose, suppose, suppose. That's all you ever do. But there's no supposing in my Bible. My Bible says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. And then with the final burst of exhortation, she says, Ma'am, that's your trouble. You do too much supposing and not enough reposing. Surely, when you read that word, that's a word of certainty, that's a word of strength, that's a faith-filled word, that's a very positive word. Surely, no doubt in that word. Goodness and mercy, surely goodness and mercy, those six words, so important too. If David looked to the future, he could do so with, without any anxiety or worry because he knew that in his future there would be goodness and mercy. Now David had been through all kinds of difficulties in life. He'd been through kind, all kinds of valleys, dark valleys. There'd been all kinds of cloudy days in his life. His cheeks had often been stained by, by uh, tears that uh, his heart, had also been a hurting heart. But still, he knew that goodness and mercy should follow, will follow him, just like it had been with him all the way along. But he knew that he's realistic. He knew that there would be valleys up ahead. And he knew that there would be cloudy days up ahead. And he knew that there would still be more tears And he knew also that his heart would hurt again because that's what life is. And yet in spite of all of that, as he looks again, he can still say, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life because in and through and under all of that, God's goodness and mercy would still be there. To see him through, no matter what the bad, eventually there would be victory that God would raise him up. And so, he's so sure, he's so affirming, huh? There may be things that he doesn't understand and there may be even whys that he asks. But still, goodness and mercy will be. Because he knows he's shepherd. He knows he's shepherd, loves him, and watching over him, taking care of him, all of those things. So no, no matter what happens, his shepherd will see him through And in all there will be goodness and mercy. And so he looks ahead with faith and he looks ahead with optimism. He has his shepherd's promises, all five of them, and he's going to live his life according to those five. Fear poverty? No. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Fear loneliness? No. For thou art with me. Fear nervous breakdown? No. He will make me lie down in green pastures and beside still waters. Fear falling into terrible sin? No. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Fear making bad judgments? No. He leadeth me. Fear life, death, and eternity? No. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So in those words, you see, they're great, strong, gallant words, you know, and there's not in them one ounce, not even a tiny bit of self-pity or jealousy or cynicism or pessimism or complaining or criticizing or gloominess. Surely, he says, surely, and you could feel the strength of that word as you hear it, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life make those words your words take a hold of those words and and live by those words and and stake your future on those words because in all of those words your Shepherd is making promises to you David's faith took him to the end of life it also took him beyond the end of life it took him into eternity and so the psalm ends with these soul-thrilling, life heart-lifting, eye-moistening words, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He knew that when death stilled his heart and closed his eyes for the last time, he would still be with his shepherd forever. He knew that death was a valley that his shepherd had been through, and that uh, on the other end of that valley was light, and glory and heaven. And so he ends the psalm with a certainty of heaven and eternal life and a rich life with his shepherd. He knows he's going to heaven. He's going to be in the house of the Lord forever. You know, we also know the same thing, don't we? And we know that through our Lord Jesus Christ. We know that because just a few weeks ago, during Holy Week, we heard about Calvary. We heard about the cross. And we heard about his taking our sins upon himself, the one thing that would keep us out of heaven. We heard about that. And we heard about how they put him in a tomb with our sin upon him. And then we heard about a stone being rolled away, an empty tomb, and great words, he is risen. Glorious and alive meant that our sins have been left in that tomb and that's where they are even today that he went into that tomb with my sins and your sins upon himself and he came out of that grave gloriously alive which meant that our sins are still in that tomb what a beautiful beautiful word that is and then he promised his disciples didn't he that he was going to the house of the lord Remember that? It's that this psalm ends with, I will shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And on the night before he died, Jesus, remember, said, I'm going to my father's house to prepare a room for you. So what a tremendous promise that is. And he connects his going home to these words of David written so long ago. And so we can take a hold of David's words, can't we? And we can take a hold of them with certainty. But we can also take a hold hold of his words with certainty because that's what he promises us. I've died for your sins. I've made possible your life eternal. And I'm going home now to prepare a room for you. And so you and I know too, huh? We're going to heaven. Not because we deserve it. We've done nothing to earn it. In no way do we deserve it. We have a promise that he died for, he paid for, and he made sure to us. All of which brings us to the end of this series and to the end of this psalm. But how do you quit talking about the 23rd psalm? I'll close with a poem written by a lady by the name of Rita Underwood. And the poem is entitled, The Best is Yet to Come. Was it so long ago? It seems like yesterday. I was chasing rainbows and playing in the hay. Was it so long ago? I played hockey from school reading, writing, arithmetic, and learning the golden rule. I remember the school mom saying, the best is yet to come. Finally, I settled down with a mate for life. Children, they came, our pride and joys. Oh yes, the tears and heartaches with our girls and boys. They flew the coop one by one. Was it so long ago, raising our children, all done? Oh, I know the best is yet to come. The house is sure quiet now, and we have Each other. Every now and then, I think I hear Father, Mother, was it so long ago? My mate was taken away. Yes, I know, I know what they say, the best is yet to come. My hearing is not so good, and I now use a cane. Was it so long ago I danced in the rain? Well, Lord, I've been so richly blessed. A wonderful mate, beautiful children, and yes, and yet, a few regrets. But you see, I know at the last setting sun, best. is yet to come. That's David's conclusion. That's what he thought too. And that's why he ended as he did the song. And so the old man, he looks back upon his life and he sees how the Lord has provided for him, how the Lord has kept him going, how the Lord has restored him, how the Lord has been there for him, through all him, brought him through, and yet as he looks back, and he is joyful for what he sees, as he looks ahead, he can still say, but you know what? The best is yet to come. And I pray that all of us here and all of us watching this morning may have that same faith and that same confidence that in Jesus the best is yet